This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, later will be joined by Robin Washett. And Mike Wheeler is going to be heading down to Oklahoma City for us to cover the baseball regionals um, as Nebraska opens up Friday uh, down in OKC. But it's camp season, Nate, and nobody gets more excited about camp season than guys like you and I. And we've kind of made our living during camp season. Uh, that's where we first met many, many, many years ago, um, working camps in the months of May and June around the country. And um, it's going to be a really, really busy month for Nebraska and you know, I, I always laugh, Nate. People always come up to me and like, oh, it must be nice. Things kind of slow down this kind of year. And I just kind of laugh. And I'm like, yeah, actually, you could almost make a case we're busier in a different kind of busy um, with the upcoming camp schedule. And Nebraska, Nate, will be in St. Louis on Friday to kick things off. Uh, that will be the mega camp in um, Lindenwood where there's two sessions. Two sessions in Lindenwood. Uh, you got – you got one on Friday and then one on Saturday. <clears throat> and I want to say last year, um, the, the coaching staff at Lindenwood reported over 1,800 kids, I believe. For the two sessions. For the two sessions or, or over the course of two days. It's really pretty phenomenal the way they run it. I mean, uh, you, you hear that amount of kids and you're going, holy cow, like how, how, do, they, how do they manage that? But it's, it's basically a continuous cycle. Um, you know, they – they they it's get a car kids, wash yeah basically I mean it literally is they they get kids registered and then they they filter them out you know they they get their measurements and everything they filter them out on the football field and start warming them up and they test them out and then they go through their individual uh, drill work and then their one on ones and and just as that group's finishing another another group is is just gotten done being measured and they're getting out on the field and they're starting to warm up it just it works like clockwork like that from basically about eight or nine in the morning until about nine o'clock at night uh, for two straight days. It's it's pretty unreal. Uh, but I mean, they've they've gotten it down to you know kind of a science, and and um, you know it's a great. I think there's fifty or sixty different colleges that that attend that camp, and so. And Nebraska I mean, will be there Friday. And Nebraska will be there um, all day on Friday, and and I and I think that's a smart move. You know, last year they went to uh, the Saturday session and and that was still a lot of good players at that session, but um you know, from what I've seen over the last few years of covering this camp, it is uh, usually Friday that that kind of has the bigger name guys or or you know, the better upper, you know, underclassmen uh, that are that are coming out to to work out and, and be seen by the and colleges. Unofficially, that might be the biggest satellite camp in the country. I'm sure like that mind sound mind body and some of those other ones that were back in the day that no longer exist were just as big but this has got to be the biggest one almost. yeah I, I, I don't know how you can be any bigger yeah i don't know how you could be any bigger i mean there might be you know there might be some smaller ones in in texas um you know that that are that are pretty big or or at least comparable but um yeah I, i'm willing to bet that the lindenwood camp in st louis is is uh right up there at the very top and then nebraska also on saturday on friday will open up their full padded team camp um, I think Crane Prep's going to be there. I know Ron Colley is scheduled. I mean, there's a number of teams. Um, and this is something that they've really emphasized. They want this team camp to be a big part of what they do. Um, and the coaches that have committed around the state to do this 
Um, they're going to give really good access to the program over the weekend and, and be, you know, treat them really well because they want this to be a bigger deal. And they lowered the price down where the price per camper was significantly lower than what they were a year ago. And I think it's going to make a difference. I think over time, instead of shipping yourself out to the Dakotas or maybe Wayne or Shattern or somewhere else, mm-hmm. you're going to see more teams that say, you know what, let's go to Lincoln. Let's give the kids the experience. And that opens up this weekend. Yeah, that opens up this week this weekend. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, they've really pushed this thing. And, and I think lowering the price has, has really helped. Um, you know, kind of drive more teams to go ahead and, and jump in and do it. The the really cool thing about it is that uh, not only do you get the experience of practicing and playing, you know, in the same facilities as, as the Huskers, but you get to use the meeting rooms. You get to use all their all the film. Um, so the the Nebraska you know video staff are they're filming all your practices, all your games, and they're packaging it up and putting it on huddle. Um, and so for the coaches and the players, I mean, that's a huge resource in and of, of itself. So, um, you know, I, I think that's pretty neat, um, you know, and, and I think that they are really going to cater to some of these the, some of these first teams that are kind of doing this and and, uh, you know, kind of roll out their red carpet for a lot of these uh, a lot of these teams. And and uh, I'm kind of excited to hear what the feedback is from it. And then Nebraska will spend a lot of the week or, you know, probably three or four of the coaches um, we'll be on the road for the Adidas tour. Nate will be on the road um, for all of it with Greg Peterson. I'll be in, um, in Mercer with you guys as well. So Tuesday, Nebraska will be in Mercer, which is about an hour and a half um, north of Atlanta or south of Atlanta. I think it's north of Atlanta. Um, so Mercer, a smaller FCS program, will be the first one. Now there's a Monday one at Georgia Tech that Nebraska will not be at. That's the opening Adidas event. New staff there. Um, Bobby Collins, that the new coach at Georgia Tech? Jeff Collins, Jeff, I think. Uh, that, they're expecting that to be a really good camp, but Nebraska won't go to that one. Um, that's not going to be um, one of their allotted NCAA camp days. Um, so they'll take off June 3rd, but June 4th at Mercer. They'll take off Wednesday. Then June 6th will be probably the biggest, busiest day of their camp schedule of the year. Uh, they're going to be in Miami for Florida Atlantic and Lane Kiffin. Um, his camp will Run a clock, Nate. See if he actually spends more than ten minutes down there this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have to. I'll have to keep track of that. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of the uh, the where's Waldo uh, instead of Waldo though. It's where's Lane Lane Kiffin at today. Um, he makes about a ten minute lap, yep. and then then he comes back up to his office and starts watching film again. But they'll they'll run. That's a great camp. The yeah, one at really FAU, um, and then they'll come back in the evening. <clears throat> And our good friend Butch, um, Butch Davis, the coach of uh, former coach of Miami, FIU coach, uh, they'll run one there. And it looks like the weather will be better um, this upcoming year. Uh, we were Ken Dorsey, the former Hurricane quarterback. He's the athletic director for facilities there. He's basically the Butch hug for FIU, and um, he he helps put that camp on. Uh, with Butch and you'll be at both those events yeah I'll be at both of those and and those are always um, you know just loaded loaded with with talent to the uh, point where you're overwhelmed yeah I mean it is pretty overwhelming uh, at, at times especially FIU when um, you know at least at, at FAU you can get your hands on a on a prospect sheet or or you can kind of identify some guys and or you know get a feel for you know a little bit of a uh, you know you can get the lay of the land a little bit and see who's out there. But FIU is always that's kind of a crapshoot. Butch as, does not provide rosters, and that that makes it tough when you, know, you have about eight hundred kids there. And 
Yeah, it's 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 always interesting. <laughs> about of those eight hundred, about five hundred of them run about a four five or better. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they're at least at the very least look like Division one athletes. So um, yeah, that's always that day where you've got FAU in the morning and FIU at night. Uh, I mean, that's always one of the the just crazier days uh, of the year for me. Just seeing the amount of talent that is in South Florida in, in that Miami area, uh, you know, between. Uh, Boca Raton and and you know Fort Lauderdale and, and Miami, all all those areas. I mean, the just Miami Dade County alone is just. I mean, you well, when we saw it, when we were young kids yeah. and they and we were down at um, Carroll City mm-hmm. and they were the eight A Florida champions in two thousand three and we were down there and ran a combine for their team in in the summer of 03. and to this day that's the best that's the most talented athletically talented high school team I've ever seen and I've never seen one even close to them before no yeah it's it yeah what what we saw that day was was just unbelievable they had like three first rounders on a high school team at least three first rounders um you know and um and they look like first rounders at that age exactly and we're running 40s in the parking lot of of their school uh which is basically like a gravel park driver a driver's ed training lot yeah it was uh, less than ideal, and you you had kids. Uh, I was running the forty yard station and the forty yard dash station, and they they'd come out and they'd pop out their gold grill and put it on my desk and and uh, run rip off a four six electronic forty uh, with their shoes untied on that gravel parking lot, and I was just I was like my head was spinning. It may have been. I mean, and we were so young, we didn't even know this, but in probably the roughest area I, I've ever like been in for a long period of time where to the point when the camp was over coach Frazier the longtime coach Carroll City he goes I'm going to drive you boys out to the interstate and I mean he saw seven white guys from Nebraska that were all about 22 and I think he in a big van that had a lot of accessories and things in it and he, he led our vehicle out yeah. to the interstate to make sure we got out of there okay well the barbed wire fence around the the facilities at the school <laughs> kind of tipped it we off. We pulled up and I go, this is the school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, looked, it looked like a it looked like a county jail or something. The school colors were Hunter's Orange. Yep. So, <laughs> but yeah, that was an experience. Then you will be out at South Florida. Then that camp will take place on Saturday, I believe. Yep. Uh, June. It's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday yep. this week. And that So you're going to be St. Louis Friday, Atlanta, Mercer, Tuesday, Miami, Thursday, Tampa, Saturday. Yep. So there's a lot going on for you this week. Yeah, a lot going on, um, and it, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I, I'm expecting a lot of new offers to go out. Most probably, most likely to uh, you know underclassmen players in the 2021, 2022 classes, uh, but also expecting you know there to be a lot of current targets. Um, you know, in that 2020 class, that'll probably be at the camps and. Um, you know, the coaches will be able to get a chance to kind of work with those guys one-on-one and everything too. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and we, the, the neat thing about it is we've been doing this now for a while and, and you get to every camp you go to, you see some familiar faces and, and people that recognize you or you recognize yeah, them. Yeah. We like know all these guys in yeah. Florida when you go down there. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's been pretty cool. Um, you know, so kind of looking forward to, to seeing who you run into, uh, cause it seems like there's always some, some random, you know, just like last year with uh, with Dorsey, uh, you know, being able to – I mean, we, we shot the bowl with Dorsey for what? 
probably 20 minutes, yeah. 20, 30, 20, 30 minutes. And he was talking about Eric Crouch. And I mean, uh, that was, I mean, that was pretty cool. So there, there's always, there's always something like that that happens uh, on these types of tours. Well, that starts this week um, as we will be on the road in full force and plenty of coverage of satellite camps. Nebraska won't actually have their first Friday night lights camp until June 14th. They do have a seven on seven camp on Sunday, June 9th. So they will get some bigger stuff on campus here, but Really, this week one will all be satellite camp coverage on the road, and then the the back end of June, the middle to the late part of June, will be the bigger camps in Lincoln. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the Nebraska Shrine Bowl. Fourteen future Huskers will be in the game that takes place in Kearney. I'll be a part of the TV broadcast for that. We were at Media Day earlier in the week. We'll give some thoughts on the Shrine Bowl next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. The Nebraska Shrine Bowl, the 61st annual Shrine Bowl, will take place at the University of Nebraska Kearney on Saturday at 2 p.m. over at Ron and Carol Cope Stadium, Foster Field. It's taken me about seven years to get that all down, Nate, the, the official name. They got a stadium name and a field name out there, but they do a great job with the event. Uh, myself, Larry Putney, David Benning, um, the entire NET football crew will be broadcasting that game. So if you can't get out to Kearney, we will have the game on NET statewide uh, with a two o'clock kick. And, um, you know, Shrine Bowls are fun. You know, this year, I think Nate is somewhat more intriguing than others because you've got 14 future Nebraska guys in the game. Um, now, there were only two eligible scholarship guys to play. Garrett Snodgrass is going to play. Ethan Piper declined to play, which I was a little surprised. I actually thought Piper would take the invite just because he's a redshirt type candidate and uh, figured this would be a great opportunity for him. But every guy's wired a little bit differently. But we will get to see Snodgrass play for one more time for his father, Glenn Snodgrass, who will be the coach of the South Squad. Yeah, that, that's definitely that's definitely the the storyline. I think um, you know, is, with Snodgrass being the the scholarship Nebraska player, and then obviously with his dad being the head coach. Uh, I mean, those two have accomplished an awful lot um, here over the last handful of years there at York, and and so I, I think that's probably the you know, the biggest storyline here uh, heading into the Shrine Bowl game. Just uh, you know, just kind of that the Snodgrass connection. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure that Glenn played in the game and uh, as well when he was coming up. And so now for Garrett to do the same and for him to be able to, to coach Garrett one last time, that, that's kind of a cool deal. Yeah, and, and you look at that South squad, there's 10 future Huskers alone. Uh, Braden Miller, the lone walk-on quarterback Nebraska took last year out of Kearney High. Um, dual sport guy, played baseball as well. Very good high school baseball player. He'll be the quarterback for the South squad. So I'm intrigued to see him. Austin Jablonski um, will play tight end in the game, but he's going to be a receiver at Nebraska out of Lincoln Pius. Uh, I I asked him, I joked with him, do you have any good celebrations, like two-hand dunk celebrations with, <laughs> with, the, with the football? Um, he he, he kind of joked, yeah, you gotta, I mean, he's, he heard a lot about that uh, celebration sure. from the post-championship. Uh, Tyson Guzman, uh, out of, Guzman from Omaha Westside, defensive back. Gabe Hines, the kicker out of Kearney, Nate, will be in the game. Braden Sellen, Lincoln East linebacker at Nebraska. Nick Leader um, will play DN, but he'll be an outside linebacker at Nebraska as a walk-on. Riley Moses out of Fillmore Central, an offensive lineman. Um, Garrett Nuss out of Sutton, another lineman recruit. And then Noah Stafurski um, out of York, um, a state champ wrestler, also an offensive line recruit to Nebraska. So pretty good group there. Anything jump out to you about those 10 guys on the South squad? Well, you know, I, I think uh, – 
the, those last handful of guys that you just mentioned, um, you know, the, pretty much the the large majority of of the South's offensive line are are all going to be offensive line walk-ons for the Huskers, and um, and each one of them kind of does something, uh, you know, different, or, or they're kind of built differently, and uh, you know, and so I, I think that uh, that's a really good group of of walk-on offensive linemen, and. And I think in, in in a game like this, I, I feel like that's where a lot of it, you know, you can kind of separate yourself from the other team is, is if you've got a really solid line. And so that's something that I would definitely, um, you know, look out for or pay attention to. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk Shrine Bowl. And then you look at the North squad, Nate. Um, Cooper Jewett out of Elkhorn South. Um, he's a safety type guy uh, going to Nebraska. He's been one of Paul Lamaggi and I talked for quite a while on Tuesday, and they've been very impressed with him. Luke Reimer, I think if I were to do a draft of the walk ons, he'd be right at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, he's 217. Um, he's been training with Chris Slatt pretty heavily here in Lincoln. His vertical has gone from a 31 to now 37. Wow. Um, since he started doing more performance training, um, learning how to run right and, and do things. So. That's a guy I'm very excited about. Um, Garrett, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Houston. Houston from Melkhorn Mount Michael um, coming in. I know you were impressed with him. And then Jacob Herbeck out of Grand Island Central Catholic, who at one time was an offer guy for South Dakota State. Um, so four guys, but all four pretty good on that North squad. Yeah, I, I really like how uh, Reimer and Houston look. I mean, they they've got the look of, of uh, you know, a couple of walk-on linebackers that I think – could potentially come in and, and see some early playing time uh, in their in their career. I mean, we've we've talked about and, and heard the coaches talk an awful lot about Joey Johnson, uh, you know, who's a walk on out of Gretna uh, that that played in the Shrine Bowl, um, that that's doing very well. And and I wouldn't be surprised if if we hear you know the coaches talk about Reimer and Houston uh, here in the next year or two uh, about being you know some guys that at the very least can provide some depth and or that are going to be making an impact on on special teams. I think both those guys look like they're in a college ready, which is not always, you know, something that you see out of out of the walk on group. I mean, because a lot of times with walk ons, you're you're projecting them. You're 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 saying, okay, well, uh, this guy is somebody, you know, after after a handful of years with uh, with Zach Duvall in the weight room, they're going to be somebody that can, um, you know, can kind of play at this level or, or perform or do what we want them to do and. Um, I just feel like with Reimer and Houston in particular on that on that uh, on that team, I, I think that those are two guys that, that at least look the part physically as far as players that could come in and and probably see earn some you know early playing time in their career. I think when you start to look at it, Nate, my first thing I, I when I talk about the walk-ons coming in, how many of these guys will make the 110 fall camp roster? That is typically the indicator. If you can play or not, I think historically any walk-on as a true freshman that makes the 110, you know is probably going to be a contributor if they stay healthy. I mean, go back to that one year. It was like Brandon Riley, Sam Fultz, Riker Fife, Trey Foster, Andy Janovich, Dylan Utter. I mean, Jordan Nelson, Graham Nabity, all those guys made the 105 at that point. I mean, there was like 10 or 12 that played in the Shrine Bowl. And I think you look at the kid at North Star, Reimer, I think I, 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 he's, to me, almost a lock um, to make the, the, the fall camp roster just from what I've seen and, and kind of where he's going to go once he gets into the program. And 
you know, there's a few other guys like that. Any any surefire 110 guys you want to put your name on right now? Well, yeah, I think Reimers is, you know, Reimer is probably, you know, one of those guys, um, you know, and, and I think, again, I, I would. Maybe Cooper Jewett from yep, what I've heard. Yeah, maybe Cooper Jewett. Um, I mean, he's super, he's a super athlete uh, and he was somebody that I was always impressed with. Uh, just how hard he played at, at Elkhorn South. I mean, as a running back mostly, uh, but uh, I mean, he he changed the game, of, you know, or, you know, changed the outcome of a lot of games uh, during his career there at, at Elkhorn South. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Husted. I think that he's somebody who could probably come in and and play early. Um, you know, but we'll we'll kind of see. I, I think outside of those two or three guys, uh, you know, that you could kind of flip a coin on a lot of the others. But um, yeah, I don't know if there's anyone that I could say right now that I'd be surprised if they made it. Uh, I think all of them have quite a bit of upside. Of these Shrine Bowl guys, though, would you agree Reimer is is the most likely if you had to go with one of these thirteen walk ons? Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's probably the most likely and. Um, and that shouldn't come as a, as a huge surprise. I mean, uh, with the types of numbers that, that he's put up, uh, you know, over the last couple of years at North Star, and I mean, shoot, he was he was a, a, a scholarship guy. He was committed to South Dakota State. He he, he flipped to Nebraska to, to walk on. So I mean, he's uh, and, and I thought that he could be a guy that that earned an offer, you know, from a, like a Wyoming or something like that late, um, you know, but. Uh, I think that he's somebody who is is uh, every bit of a of a Division One uh, football player and, a, and probably a pretty huge steal as as a walk on for and the Caden, Huskers. Caden McCormick's not in this game, but he's another walk on. Yeah. I mean, if he comes in focused and has his weight at the right place, I think he's another walk on. I mean, there's there's a lot, but you, you'll get a good idea probably by about July who who the ones that are likely. But that walk on room's getting full, man. I mean, there's. This is the biggest roster Nebraska's had, and you know, since 2008, mm-hmm. um, when Pelini first got here his first season, and they're back over the 150 number again. So it will be interesting to see kind of what these bigger numbers mean going forward. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, um, and you'll see, you know, kind of how how things shake out. You know, maybe the maybe the bigger question is how many of these guys uh, make it four or five years in the program, uh, because I, I think that. Uh, there's going to be, you know, I don't think they're going to be slowing the walk-on program down any, um, and it's going to be continue to kind of become more and more selective going forward too. All right, when we come back, we will be joined by Robin Washett as Nebraska basketball. It's still been busy. We just found out this week that Isaiah Roby is officially keeping his name in the draft. The deadline was Wednesday. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that and more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. <laughs> You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett as talking some Nebraska basketball. And the news continues to turn in the world of Husker basketball as uh, we just learned here on Wednesday. It's official, Robin. Isaiah Roby will keep his name in the draft. The deadline for underclassmen to withdraw was by Wednesday night. Roby made a statement via tweet. Um, that he has decided to officially go through with this. And I think on the surface, most people are like, oh, that's not a surprise. But it was maybe closer, Robin, than people thought. Yeah, and I mean, this was kind of a conclusion I think most people thought was going to happen for a while, um, especially just considering what was happening with the roster during the pre-draft process. I mean, it really didn't have as much to do with what he was doing, but what Fred Hoiberg was doing and the fact that uh, they filled up the roster and basically – 
his decision left him a man over the 13 scholarship limit. So that was a pretty good indication that, um, you know, the plan was to move on. And uh, Isaiah was upfront about that from the beginning. You know, he said his plan was to perform well enough and uh, get enough uh, feedback that uh, was basically going to, you know, not guarantee, but leave him feeling good enough that he was going to be a draft pick. And, you know, he went through the combine, worked out with several NBA teams, um, even before the combine and after the combine and, you know, leading up to just hours before uh, that deadline Wednesday night, uh, you know, I think he was still kind of weighing that decision. And um, part of it was, I think his, his dream scenario was he was going to do so well that the teams were going to say, you know, we, we think that you're a first rounder, you know, we could see you going, you know, late first round and at worst early second. And I don't think that was the case. I think probably the feedback he was getting is, you know, you're probably looking at a best case scenario of being an early second rounder and more likely a mid second rounder. But when all was said and done, the goal was for Isaiah to make the jump to the NBA and where he's drafted, you know, it's nice. Obviously there's money involved there, but in the end it was, will he have a chance to get an NBA contract? And I think he felt good enough um, in the hours before that deadline that that was going to be the case and decided to stick with the plan that he'd had all along. So in your opinion, do you think he is drafted late first, second round, undrafted? What's your t- take today? I'm going to say mid-second round. I think that's kind of now the new consensus. Um, the draft mocks are all over the board. I mean, some people have him as high as 25th. Some people don't have him listed at all uh, in the 60-player draft. So it's... Uh, With overseas guys, it's really that's hard. That's the thing. A lot like, of those mocks don't take into account international players. And there's so many good international guys. And those load up the second round because they're, they're draft and stash players that uh, the NBA teams just get the rights to. And so they aren't even necessarily... Some like, dude from Africa or, or Croatia or whatever it is. And so, uh, yeah, that's, um, you know, I think part of the whole deal that uh, it's hard to know where exactly he is going to fall in place. But I do think that, you know, he's a lot like some of those international guys where... The biggest thing he has going for him is his potential and, you know, the unknown of what he could be with proper development. And so I think there's going to be at least one team that is going to take a chance on him. Um, Maybe a team that has multiple second round picks that, you know, has the luxury of taking a flyer and they're going to draft him. He's going to spend a year in the G League and hopefully um, under that professional development where he's focusing on nothing but basketball, not worrying about school, not worrying about, you know, all the campus student athlete life. Uh, that 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 is finally going to really click with him and all that potential is going to come to fruition so it's not going to be easy that first year in the g league that's that's a grind Uh, i mean it's minor league baseball you're riding on buses and uh, staying in not so nice hotel rooms and playing in random cities around the midwest uh, in front of just a handful of people and you know if you're not mentally cut out for that that can be tough and so that's that's i think going to be as hard of a transition for isaiah as anything uh he had it really good uh, at nebraska i mean with the amenities and the fan support and all that stuff he was a star around here and he was living first class lifestyle charter flights to everything it's going to be a reality for him and how he handles that i think is going to dictate just as much uh what he does on the court uh, as far as making that jump to the nba and People are probably asking, well, what kind of money is the G League? Because if you get drafted in the second round, you're not guaranteed a contract, right? Yeah, it's it's. I don't necessarily know. I think only lottery picks are guaranteed. Uh, oh, I thought the whole first round, not the whole first round. I'm not sure. But the G the G League salary. I haven't, co- I haven't covered a lot of drafts, Sean. The G the G <laughs> the G League salary is only seven thousand dollars per month for a five month season. So a guaranteed thirty five thousand. Um, but there's a lot of bonus incentives yeah. in there. Um, if you get called up to teams, 
Um, you know, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's not like you're signing up for a full season commitment. I mean, basically, it's like I said, it's like the minor leagues where you can get called up at any time. Um, I think that's the minimum uh, of what you know you could make. And the minimum is thirty five grand, right? And last year, a total of fifty NBA G League players were called up uh, to different teams, um, and of those fifty players, they earned approximately two hundred and twenty-five thousand per player. So, I mean, that's kind of probably what you're hoping for, right? Yeah. Is to to be one of those guys if you're in the G League and um, develop and get a chance to get a ten-day contract, wherever the contracts are now for the call-ups. Right, and that that G League, you know, it's full of guys, undrafted players, drafted players, and again, uh, this year is different than it, I think it has been in previous years because the NBA is putting such a um, emphasis and a commitment towards beefing up the G League. They want to make it more of a tr- an attractive option so kids aren't going to New Zealand to play for a year and just skipping college out of high school or, uh, you know, whatever it may be. So they, they want to make that kind of like their their own little feeder program uh, for kids that don't want to be student athletes. They want to get paid to play basketball uh, and they can get proper development and kind of get uh, brought up uh, through the ranks slowly and surely as opposed to just getting thrown on the fire and then flaming out right away like the, it had been in previous years. And the shoe money, you know, with what happened, I mean, this year is probably one of the first years where there's no behind-the-scenes shoe money really going on because of the FBI stuff, right? I mean, that, that Yeah, you would assume so. I mean, Nike and Adidas and Under Armour and whoever companies are were involved doing these things – so there's probably a lot of kids right now that expected to get that money that aren't getting that money, and it will be interesting to see. Yeah, I read that one kid's going to New Zealand, one mm-hmm. of the top the top yeah, guys, the, the top player, yeah. R.J. Hampton, and he'll get like over a million to do that, right? Oh yeah. Well, so so when it's the same league, it's the NBL, the New Zealand Basketball League, or whatever it is. Uh, that was the same league that was trying to get Isaiah. Um, Ty Webster to leave Nebraska early and come back there because uh, obviously Ty played on the national team in New Zealand and they were offering him a, a six-figure contract and that's Ty Webster you know a guy that wasn't even really a draft prospect so uh, I mean that that shows you the kind of money they have and that's what the NBA is trying to com- uh, compete against to keep kids here keep them within their own organizations and develop them the way that they want to be developed a lot of those overseas leagues are state sponsored and country sponsored too um, like you know like all these volleyball players go and play in Russia and these places and they make like 500, 600,000 to play overseas. And you're like, where's the money coming from? It can't be coming from just ticket sales or mm-hmm. TV contracts. And, you know, the, the countries fund these teams for nationalism. And it's just one of the things that so like, yeah, it's, it's weird how places where you wouldn't think that could pay this kind of money can pay this kind of money overseas. And the whole one and done things, a whole nother discussion. I mean, I, th- I think we are going to see this change eventually with one and done's mm-hmm. being allowed, high school players allowed to be drafted. It's a matter of how many more years it's going to be. Right. And again, that's going to come with uh, more investment into the G League to make that, you know, a good intermediate spot between kids that are good enough to play in the NBA. They're just not ready yet. I wish they could make it a three year window where, but I don't know if they could do this, but if, if you declared, that's fine, you're done. But if you go to college, it's like baseball. You got to play three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if we're too far down a road where I don't know if they can do that. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, and the coaches may not want that either. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, they want to get rid of some of these guys. Yeah. If, if if you know you're a first round pick and you got to stay there three years, you're going to be just a 
not a very happy well, person. Well, and then so many of those kids aren't even going to come to school for even a year. I mean, they're going to go play overseas somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's going to become more of an option. So you're going to see this continue, continue to evolve over the years that uh, it's going to be interesting to follow. All right, when we come back, Mike Wheeler is going to join us as he'll brag about his trip upcoming to Oklahoma City and his weekend that he'll get to spend in Bricktown Ballpark for the regionals. But we'll take his questions from him as well in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Pleased to bring in Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler, who will be down in Oklahoma City covering the regionals. And to my understanding, Mike, the reason they're playing in Oklahoma City and not Stillwater is because the flooding down in Stillwater in the ballpark uh, sustained some damage in the flooding. So... Um, it's almost a break for Nebraska, isn't it, to have this uh, this regional down in OKC um, in a more neutral setting? Um, you know, it's a little tougher. I, I've always heard stories that o- Oklahoma State's ballpark was like a launching pad where home runs just flew out of there. This will be a little bit different setup down in OKC. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and you know, especially with the way Oklahoma State uh, can really hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, if they played it. The, their stadium all year uh, they can definitely smack it out of there but yeah I, I've heard that it's it's a great tourist destination so I'm really excited to go but uh, I, I think the Huskers will do pretty well this week and one word to the wise a lot of the beer in Oklahoma is 3-2 beer yeah don't waste your time with that so make sure before you buy beer ask them is this 3-2 beer you'll be a 12-pack deep wondering what's going on all right any Husker fan listening that's been to Stillwater or Norman I remember, I remember first time I went there and we were in college and everyone's like, man, I've drank more beer than I've ever drank before and I don't feel it. And, and it was like one of those deals where they're like, yeah, the beer in Oklahoma is 3.2%. So it's like a, it's a little bit lesser, lesser sting uh, down there. So make sure you, you that's ask. That's definitely good news. That's a, a pro tip <laughs> yeah. from Oklahoma City. But what do you got out of, out of, out of the mailbag? All right, so we'll start here. Uh, big uh, camp kind of. Uh, next couple of weeks coming up here. So who are some of the guys that are on Nebraska's radar uh, that you guys are excited to see that uh, uh, you'll see on your travels here? Well, I think when you look at in-state wise, there's two guys for 2020 um, that I'm really, really interested in, in, in seeing Isaac Gifford and kind of, kind of what he does. Um, and then I just blanked on his name, the kid from Johnson Brock, Nate. Um, uh, uh, Han, Ty Han. Ty Han. And he's another guy. He ran 10-9 electronic in, in track before hurting his hamstrings. He's now working out in Lincoln as well with Isaac Gifford, with Ashton Hausman, and he trains twice a week with Chris Slatt, and he was running on his toes. And so they've worked on his running form. I think he's going to rip off some pretty good 40 times uh, with just some slight adjustments. And I've heard he's very coach, coachable. If you tell him something, he, he can really change it. Those are the two in-state guys, Nate, for me. Um, to, to watch closely. And then satellite camps, you're just going to find guys that just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, the satellite camps in St. Louis or Atlanta, Miami, I mean, all those ones, it, it's too hard to say, well, these are the guys that are going to be there and that I'm really looking forward to seeing. You, you just kind of have to show up and, and kind of 
um, you know, see who who stands out. And, and a lot of times it's it's somebody you've never seen or heard of before. Uh, and, and I think that's that's the the real benefit for for being at these deals. Um, not not just us, but for the coaching staff, when you're able to, to go to these the, these events and, and identify you know new talent that maybe you would never have seen in person otherwise, or or even come across, so um, or you weren't able to get to their high school during the spring evaluation period, or whatever the case may be. So uh, you know I think that's that's more the deal in state wise. You know I'll, I'll add a couple more names in addition to Isaac Gifford and, and Ty Han. Um, I'm looking forward to to seeing uh, Jalen Roussel. Uh, out of out of Omaha Burke um, you know I, I thought he was really impressive at the rivals camp in St. Louis uh, and so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what, what he does during camp season and uh, you know it, as well as uh, you know Wyatt Seagren too uh, the kid out of uh, out of Oakland Craig the, the big tight end there that's another one another really intriguing uh, 2020 prospect uh, out of the state that I'm kind of seeing what happens with those guys's recruitments. So uh, one of the questions this week was, uh, what month will we see the most commits for the 2020 class? But instead of getting that specific, I'll kind of tweak it a little. Nebraska had 14 commits in the 2019 class before that September 1st Akron game. Uh, They're at three commits right now. Will they be below, at, or above that 14 commit mark? I would say slightly below. Yeah, I, I would. I'd probably. I'd probably go slightly below. Ten to twelve. Yeah, yeah. Ten to twelve is is kind of what I've been saying here over the last month or so, um, and I think I think I could I could see that happening. Now, don't freak out if it's under ten. You know, if it's slightly under ten, um, but. I think that I think it's reasonable to think that they'll be at, at ten to twelve by the time the season starts, and and the large majority of those commitments uh, will, will happen in, in June, I believe. Uh, you, you're going to start to see the official visits really really ramp up here uh, in the month of June, and as well as unofficial visitors uh, that are making their way to, to to town, and then of course with all the camps and everything, I just um, I think that this June will probably be similar to what we saw last year when Nebraska went on a big big run of commitments. Taking your uh, questions here in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler. All right, so uh, one of the more popular questions is, you know, the next three commits questions, but how about uh, you guys go with the three commits that you wish Nebraska could get? I'll go with number one for me, Xavier Watts. I mean, I I think that's an obvious one. It's going to be a battle for Nebraska, but I think Watts and Gunnarsson, or Blaze Gunnarsson, the defensive lineman out out of Iowa, are the two that they've invested a lot of resource in at this point, and and you would like to see Nebraska at least lock those guys up. Then Nash Hupmacher out of South Dakota. I mean, those are the three, I think, if you were just to identify close guys to Lincoln that have been here many times that you like Nebraska's chances on or think that they should get, those are the three for me. Well, I'm going to take the question and kind of interpret it a different way and list three guys that I would, I'd like to see committed to Nebraska, but I don't think Nebraska will end up getting uh, and that'd be Rajan Rosengarten, the offensive tackle out of Colorado. Quandarius Robinson, the big uh, outside linebacker out of uh, Alabama. Uh, and then Mookie Cooper, the uh, Rivals 100 athlete out of St. Louis. I think those are three guys that at one point in time were at least very – at least somewhat interested in Nebraska uh, and in some cases I think very interested in the Huskers but um, you know in the case of Quandarius Robinson 
Uh, he decided that he wanted to stay a little bit closer to home, even though he, he had visited and, and said that he was going to take an official visit back to Lincoln. Uh, it sounds like sounds like he's getting an awful lot of pressure to stay at, at Auburn or Alabama. But uh, And then, of course, Rosengarten uh, had visited Nebraska a handful of times. Huskers were actually the first team to offer him. Um, and I think he's one of the more talented offensive tackles in the country uh, outside of Turner Corcoran. So uh, those are three guys that, uh, that I think Nebraska would definitely like to have in the class but probably won't end up there. All right, what do you got next, Mike? All right, so uh, earlier this week, Nebraska hosted uh, Rutgers tight end transfer uh, Travis Vokalek. Uh, what do you guys think the chances of uh, him getting a scholarship offer from the Huskers is? Nate, you've been all over that story. This is all you, buddy. Yeah, so it's really interesting because it, as we've talked about transfer possibilities and, and what positions the Huskers might be looking at to, to add a piece or two in the transfer market, tight end has literally never been mentioned uh, in the in that conversation. And so for for them to to bring Travis Vokalek in for a visit. Uh, or at least you know host him on a, on a visit and it was unofficial so it's not like they you know it's not like they spent an, an official visit on him or anything uh, it was still a pretty interesting uh, development this this past week and um, you know I still just I don't I don't see it happening um, now obviously he's the type of kid that I think you would you would absolutely welcome with open arms if he decided he wanted to, to walk on to your program but uh, but this is a deal where Iowa is, is really Really involved. K State is really involved. He, he's also talking about making a trip to uh, to Arkansas. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just at this point in time, I don't see it happening just because the need is is not quite there. You have one spot left, and and I just don't see them using it on a tight end. All right, guys, last one here. Uh, who from the HOL staff is least likely to get rabdo from one of Coach Duvall's workouts, and who's most likely to get it? <laughs> This is this is a heck. Of, this might be the one of the better questions we've had in a long time. Was this a real question or is yeah, this, this is a, a real question. question? No, this is a real question. That's a total RSS question. I would <laughs> think. I would think. <laughs> Puke buckets. Gre- Greg would be the most likely. Yeah. He's all banged up. He's got he's got bad legs. I mean, he's got gout and a bad back, and I mean, <laughs> so um, yeah. Well, and, and I was just remembering this uh, over the weekend. It's the one year anniversary of his foot uh, burning <laughs> issues. Uh, where, where he burnt his his feet barbecuing. Greg may or may not have been enjoying a couple of um, adult beverages on his. He's got a gigantic swim spot. Yeah, he's got a sweet setup. I mean, it's like a size of a pool. I mean, it's a big, like, multi-person swim spa, and his feet got all numb, and he stepped on steaming hot concrete for hours, and he got, what, second-degree burns on both feet? It was bad. It was I bad. Don't, I don't know what it was, but it made my stomach turn. It was, it was that bad. <laughs> Unbelievably bad. That's why he didn't go to St. Louis with me last year. Because I was trying to remember. I'm like, I'm like, why was I the only one? Like, why did I cover the mega camp by myself last year? And I'm like, oh yeah, Greg had his accident. Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably Greg. Yeah. So, what was it? Who's the least likely? Yeah. Well, probably Sean because he'll tell you all about his Orange Theory classes <laughs> that he's been going to. There's a plug. He's, a, he's an experienced class guy, so I think I would give him the give him the nod. Been doing a lot of sprinting lately, so mm-hmm. I can handle that, but. Crossbar touching. Robin's a Robin's a workout guy. Yeah, I'm 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 a weight room dude. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Grace was a gymnast, but I, I, she's she's Allie's she, a jock. Allie's a yeah. yeah Allie's a good athlete. I'm trying to think anyone else on our staff. Munson, he's more of a weight room guy. 
Nate ran marathons. Nate ran marathons, but they've done two halves. I don't use the word two halves equals one, right? Well, yeah. Hey, good point. Good point. <laughs> All right. Well, good question to end the mailbag. When we come back, Nate and I will close the show with some more recruiting thoughts here as Nebraska wrapped up the evaluation period this week. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we're going to talk some more recruiting. We've already talked Shrine Bowl coming up, and uh, we've talked Nebraska's camps um, which open up here this week with the mega camp in St. Louis on Friday and the team camp in Lincoln going on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before a heavy dose of satellite camps in Georgia Tuesday, Florida Thursday, Florida Saturday, among camps as well that will go on in Lincoln. Seven on seven begins Sunday next week as well. But Nate, um, some recruiting news. Final week of the evaluation period. I mean, for the most part, everyone's off the road because most schools are done. Um, there might be a couple places out west that are still in school, um, but for the most part, 95, 98% of the, the spring eval work is done. Yeah, that's, you know, there's state track is all over, you know, there all the athletic events uh, on, the, on the school year are over with. Um, you're right, you know, it's mostly the west coast out in California. Those are that's about the about the only place that, that still has school going on right now, and a lot of those a lot of those schools go into early June or or sometimes even into a, a week or two into June. But um, you know, you saw kind of the their last round of uh, visits, I guess, kind of take place this week. Um, you know, I know Tony Tuioti and Eric Chenander were out in Northern California, stopping by Jamar Sacona, uh, the the big nose tackle out of uh, out of Marin Catholic. Uh, to kind of kind of make one last impression there, uh, you know, as he's one of their top defensive targets on the board, along with a guy like Nash Hutmacher and and Blaze Gunnerson, and um, you know, and then and then I know Ver- Verdusco made a, a 2021 offer to another quarterback uh, earlier this week, who was uh, really uh, kind of surprising. He was the first. Nebraska was his first offer. He's a, a Peter Costel, Costelli out of uh, Mission Viejo, um, who actually he he transferred to Mission Viejo from Rancho Santa Margarita. Who uh, his coach was uh, Rich Fisher last year, uh, who's no longer the the coach at Rancho. Is Fisher somewhere else yet, or no? Um, I don't know where he's landed because uh, I know they they went a different direction after the football season and, and hired a new coach or, or at least let Fisher go. So I'm not sure, you know, where Fisher's landed yet, but uh, with Costelli, uh, you know, for Nebraska to get, to get in there and offer him first uh, is a pretty big deal. And, and I'm shocked after watching his film, I'm shocked he didn't have, uh, you know, a handful of offers already. He's, I mean, he's 6'2", 6'3", um, 195, 200 pounds. Uh, he's got a really strong arm, quick release, uh, you know, great feet, and, and he's uh, he's a real athletic kid too. He's he's a ten eight hundred meter guy. Um, you know, he's, he uh, he helped take his uh, take Mission Viejo's four by one hundred team to to CIF championships in track this this spring too. So um, I think that's big news that that Nebraska is kind of the first to offer him, and and I'm sure he's going to blow up now. This kind of seems to be the trend, you know. 
Same type of deal happened last year with Logan Smothers, where Verduzco, you know, Nebraska was the first Power Five team to offer him, and and then after that happened, you know, Ohio State comes comes in and and starts uh, sniffing around, and Florida State and all these other schools, uh, Tennessee and and handful of others. So uh, I'm sure we'll see that happen. But um, yeah, last week of the evaluation period, and and I think overall it's been been pretty productive. Obviously, a lot of players seen, a lot of new offers out. Uh, now it's it's in you know kind of time to get into camp season. Season and, and uh, you know, hopefully for Nebraska's sake, uh, commitment season here pretty soon too. And then, Nate, uh, Nebraska got another big piece um, to the recruiting puzzle. Blaze Gunnerson announced he's going to use his official in Lincoln here on the weekend of their uh, first Friday Night Lights weekend. Yeah, the weekend of uh, June 14th. So that'll be kind of the, the first, um, you know, there'll be the, the pipeline camp and the, the first Friday Night Lights camp. And, um, you know, and, and so you've got uh, you got arguably one of your top overall targets that's going to be making his way to, to Lincoln for an official visit. And this will be this will be like his fourth visit since March. Um, you know, he, he came in and no one else is even close to that, are they? No. Um, it, it, I mean, all signs are kind of pointing Nebraska's direction. And, and I know that, um, you know, he came in for March uh, for an unofficial visit along with Turner Corcoran and, and Xavier Watts. And then he came back for the, the spring game. Uh, and that was at that point in time where he said, OK, it's Nebraska and Iowa State. Uh, and then he came in for a kind of a surprise visit a couple weekends ago. And, and now he's going to be back on June 14th for his official uh, it's still Nebraska, Iowa State. Uh, now he says that the Hawkeyes have kind of, you know, been creeping back in it with him, and and maybe even you know a team like Wisconsin too. Um, and he, I mean, he really fits the mold for for all those programs. But I think Nebraska is the team to beat here. I'd be really surprised if if he didn't end up eventually committing to the Huskers. Now I'm not sure if it's going to happen this, you know, that weekend. It could happen, you know. Um, a week or two later, or maybe even in July, but I don't foresee his recruitment going past July. Uh, this will be something that's going to be wrapped up here sooner rather than later. Um, and he's fully healthy. You know, I don't know if a lot of people don't know that he missed pretty much his entire junior season uh, with a hip injury, and uh, he's fully healthy now. And, and from some people that I've talked with that, that have seen him work out and, and that have actually worked with him, uh, they say that he is on another level uh, right now. Um, and he's 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 doing things that he's never done before. And and I think that um, you know what I was told is if Nebraska gets him, this will be a major major steal out of the state of Iowa. So that's definitely something to to really keep an eye on. Nate, and then staying in the state of Iowa, Iowa Western, and we've talked many many years. And you <clears> once <throat> worked at Iowa Western, so I mean you you know the lay of the land there better than any recruiting analyst out there. Um, but Nebraska brought in a few double, uh, Iowa Western guys this week, and you know for official visit, how many one, one official out of that? Or are uh, they they're all unofficial. unofficial excuse yep. me. So w- your thoughts on on what happened there, and, and kind of break down that whole situation? Yeah, a handful of of Iowa Western guys, uh, you know, made their way to to Lincoln for unofficial visit. The the marquee guy is Perry on Winfrey, uh, who is the the defensive tackle, um, who's got. I mean, 20, 25 offers to his name. He's got a top eight that includes Nebraska, uh, Alabama, Florida State, Oregon. Um, you know, I think Penn State is in the mix, Ohio State. I mean, this is I mean, he's he's pretty much got offers from anywhere in the country. So he's he's got a lot of options on the table. But um, I think the the good thing for Nebraska is that uh, a he's from Illinois, so he's kind of a Midwest guy. 
B, Eric Chenander, Tony Toyote, uh, Ryan Held, they've all done a tremendous job of recruiting him uh, early and often. They're were, they were one of the, the, the first teams to, to really throw their hat in the ring and, and to really go all out for him. Uh, and, and that's made a big impression. And, and so, um, and, and I think Nebraska, after this visit, you know, it was so good that he said he's definitely going to be back. So I think Nebraska has, has essentially secured a spot in his top five uh, as far as, you know, him wanting to take official visits to, to certain, you know, to, the, to a handful of other schools. I think Nebraska will get one of those. And, um, you know, I think he's a difference maker uh, up front. Um, you know, again, the job that Eric Chenander's done there, I think, is, is maybe, you know, the, the big news there or somebody you have to kind of tip your hat to. Both him and Gunnarsson, uh, you know, both guys that, that he's done a tremendous job with out of out of the state of Iowa, and um, you know we'll see what happens there. And, and Nebraska also offered an offensive tackle, Jacob Gamble, out of uh, out of Iowa Western. And there's a you know Marcus Rogers is a big wide receiver that they're looking at. So there's a handful of Iowa Western guys that, that either have offers or that Nebraska is recruiting. And, it, and this could finally be the year where the Huskers, you know, actually sign uh, a Reaver to, uh, you know, you know, with a scholarship. Uh, they've gotten some guys in the past that have kind of come through Iowa Western's program as a walk-on or whatever. But this could be the very first year they actually sign somebody out of Iowa Western, out of Scott Strohmeyer's program. And um, that would finally be, you know, a good bridge to build with a with a great program that's just, you know, right down the right down I-80, um, you know, for – I mean, it's still it's kind of mind boggling that it's taken this long for Nebraska to, to connect with uh, with that program. But this this is probably the best chance that they've had uh, since Iowa Western's program started. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend for the entire Husker Online staff. Nate and Greg Peterson will be in St. Louis at the mega camp. Mike Wheeler will be down in Oklahoma City covering baseball regionals. I will be in Kearney for the Shrine Bowl Saturday. So we'll be all over the place. And then on Tuesday Thursday and Saturday will be on the road for satellite camp coverage in Georgia and Florida. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we will bring you the latest news and notes from around the country involving Husker athletics. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 